Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You're listening to MAP Sports Take. Whether it's breaking news or sports business, this is your home for unmuzzled and unconventional sports talk. With assistant general manager, director of player personnel, and three-time world champion on his resume, David Turner has a thing or two to teach you about pro football. At his side is Ryan Roberts, former college football player, football coach, and NFL Draft Bible's director of scouting. Together, they're here to take you on a deep dive into what goes on in the world of sports. Ryan and David, take it away. Welcome, everyone. We are back here. Mavs Sports Take Episode 21. Guess this is our New Year's holiday edition. Welcome to you all here, Mr. Ryan Roberts. <laughs> Rise and Drift on Twitter. I am Mr. David Turner at Mavs underscore sports. This is your weekly podcast for sports, business, and more. We're giving you the full scope of the sports world. We've seen a lot of adversity through 2020. And tonight we are going unmuzzled to talk about college football, pro football, sports as a business. Tonight we are giving you our take on top of the current NFL draft team to buy team and particular how set they are at the quarterback position and what they should do to address their sustained success or to change what has been going wrong in their quarterback room. So a quarterback-centric show for you today. We'll also be talking about some of the hot topics of the week and be taking some mailbag questions as well. Before we get going into Maverick Sports Take tonight, we want to remind you that you need to get in now with Maverick Sports Consulting, and we'd like to take an invite to you to a free seminar this Sunday, which will be hosted by Mr. Neil Stratton of Inside the League and put on by NFL Draft Bible. NFL Draft Bible has assembled leaders in the industry to teach you about the NFL draft process and how to be successful managing this offseason of obstacles. You can sign up today for your seat in the Zoom room at NFLDraftBible.com. So let's get into that real quick, David. I know you're going to be a part of the panel. I'll be a part of the panel. Neil Stratton, uh, Kevin Dunn from from, uh, Test uh, that is here in New Jersey, which is an athletic facility to train some players. Um, in all sports, I think, but it's specifically for the NFL draft process. So what, how this is designed, we talked about the 800 people that are in the transfer portal right now. We're talking about all these people that are getting this extra year of eligibility that are making a decision. Do I go in the 2021 NFL draft? Do I go back? Do I take that extra year? We are here to give you an inside look into the draft process so that you can make the best decision. We always talk about get rid of the bias. Um, the biased opinions when you're making a decision like this. Well, we're going to give you people, industry professionals, that will best assist you, including Mr. Neil Stratton, again, the host of the event, that will take you through the process and give you all the information that you need to know to make the best optimal decision. I know for you, David, at Maverick Sports Consulting, you aim to do the same thing as well. We do. What we really look forward to uh, this coming weekend is really helping you get a jump start on understanding the pro- the process of this NFL draft, how to maximize it for your benefit, making sure you're ready and prepared every step of the way 
for what's about to happen. If you're a young man that's getting ready to go into the NFL draft, if you're looking to transfer portal, being able to evaluate where you're going, where you're headed to maximize that next opportunity for yourself. Um, you know, Rick and, and Neil and everybody involved in this has really compiled a great panel of experts um, for your for the for the audience for this free benefit you know for their uh for their benefit to go out and understand what's coming their way and how to maximize each turn and and twist of these um these next few months so you know i'm excited to be part of the panel i was very fortunate that they uh rick and the you know our partnership has come to this part i missed out on it last year and i was kind of bummed because this is what my business is all about is helping you prepare for the business questions are you ready to turn that dial from a scholarship player to a, be a professional player what does that even mean how do you do it to best maximize your opportunities and how do you take the relationships you're going to start forging and turn them into turn them into a lifelong ability to provide for your family these are all questions i hope to answer this weekend in my segment and obviously if anybody hears us and wants to extend our relationship by hiring maverick sports consulting to be on their side through the process we're here for you as well absolutely and i actually did have the fortune of being at the event last year that was at test and i will say a lot of a lot of athletes took advantage of that opportunity really saw firsthand from some industry professionals there about what they should be expecting throughout the process. It was in a little cramped room, though. I'm actually kind of excited to get it in the Zoom room because there's going to be a lot more access to all these people, a little bit more of a comfortable environment potentially. So make sure, again, NFLDraftBible.com. It'll be next – well, this Sunday now, uh, January 3rd at 8 p.m. Eastern time. So make sure you RSVP for the event if you are a athlete agent or parent that just wants the general information we're there for you with that we want to get into some of the topics for tonight so how we have devised tonight we're going to be talking about the nfc teams tonight um and position where they are right now in the draft if it ended today because not everything is fully locked in but we do have you know a pretty good sense of where most teams will be except if you're in the nfc east that thing could change every single week so it could go i mean things go really haywire over there but we have a good foundation of where some teams are going to be picking, and we're going to do this from a quarterback scope. We're going to take a look at what their quarterback position is like right now, and we're going to highlight maybe some of the draft prospects in the 2021 NFL draft that you might see come and help their fortunes. So without further ado, the first – oh, sorry, Dave, did you have something? I was just going to say really quick, coming up in the, in the ranks, learning from the men that I've learned from – one thing that they always talk about, and it's a thread through my career, is how to build for sustained success. And knowing how to build these, uh, take these uh, uh, rosters and build them for sustained success, often in today's past happy league, right, starts the quarterback position. So when we were putting this episode together, I got really jazzed like I talked to you about earlier. <laughs> I was really jazzed about this. This week we'll do the NFC. Next week we'll do the AFC. But to talk about these situations, it's really peeling back the curtain for anybody that wants to understand what goes on on teams and inside the draft and free agent conversation rooms. This is one that, you know, if you're sitting with like tonight, I think we're going to lead off with Atlanta. When we're sitting in the Atlanta room, we're going to talk about what what's coming down the pipe in a couple minutes here with us, Ryan. Then you're going to hear Ryan and I, two personnel men, talk about this process. You'll hear 
combating or con- different opinions or maybe similar. Ryan and I definitely did not discuss this beforehand. We wanted to give you guys the raw, unmuzzled conversation here, as we always do on Mavs. I sent him the script. He sent me you know, his revisals, and then that's it. You get the whole first impressions here. So this is really exciting. These next two shows, to me, are going to be very exciting to talk about the key position for any organization in professional sports, which is the quarterback position, and do it in this manner where we're talking like we're from the team. And these are the questions we have to answer to really help you who are interested peel back the curtain and hear these conversations firsthand. No, and that's a great point. Me and David have not talked firsthand about this. I don't know what he's going to say from a pick-to-pick basis. So we are going to start with the Atlanta Falcons, who are right now projected to have the fourth overall pick. So, again, we're talking about a team here that the new coach is going to be in the building. Are they going to are they going to retain their interim coach after Dan Quinn has left? Are they uh, who's their next GM going to be? We saw them change over this off uh, during the season as well. So they have a new head coach coming in the door. They have a new general manager coming in the door. But what they also have, and this is what makes it a little weird, David, for me talking about the quarterback position. We have Matt Ryan, who's a good quarterback. There's no doubt about it. He's been a quarterback for a long time. But I think the main topic that we need to start out here with is he's a good quarterback, but he's aging, and it seems like we're in a slight rebuild here in Atlanta, in theory. So is there is the fact that they have a good quarterback, but he's in a different window, how troublesome is that to understanding what the long-term outlook of the quarterback position is? Well, again, you, you're sitting at the fourth pick right now. If the if the draft were to be today, based off today's, rec, you know, and I don't know if that's going to really change much after this this weekend's games, right? So you have the fourth pick, and so you're sitting there looking at the potential candidates at the fourth pick, and then you're looking at Matt, and you're like, okay, we know we have a quarterback. I mean, look, how, they've scored several times this year over 40 points. I mean, it's not a, it's not an offense that seems to be broken. It's a defense that's having a hard time stopping people. It's special teams that have made, you know, errors on special teams. But the offense is the one thing this team seems to be having and going right. So that being said, you know Matt's not going to play forever. But in in an age right now where quarterbacks are playing into their 40s, right, and playing at a high, you know, level with uh, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady uh, playing later, you know, in life here and leading their team to playoff wins and or playoff appearances. So what do you do in this situation with that fourth pick? If we're talking about sustained success, are we starting to shop for the next quarterback? Are we going to put him on the roster now and let him learn for a year, two years, maybe even three with Matt being where he is? Are we going to trade Matt Ryan, who does have a contract for next year? Are we going to trade him? And try to get better, more trade bait because sitting at the fourth pick, we can pick a quarterback we'd be very happy to pick and go with. Like you said, new GM, new head coach coming in. And then use that the rest of the draft capital we picked up to help rebuild and put players around this new quarterback. Or is it a situation where we're like, listen, instead of investing in the offense, we're going to take that fourth pick and go get Michael Parsons and, and start building our defense up. You know, do a Carolina Panther from this year where they trade they they drafted all defense, you know, in one year and had a bunch of young kids under uh, under the age of twenty two, you know, all on uh, rookie contracts and build that defense out. You know, what do you do with that fourth pick? I mean, again, it is an aging quarterback. We're seeing quarterbacks play 
longer into their career. I still think Matt Ryan has a lot of value to the Atlanta Falcons themselves. So what is it we do at that position? I would love to hear your take, and then I'll tell you what I was thinking. I I don't think that they can draft a quarterback with the fourth pick. I don't think that that is a reasonable thing because when you look at their cap situation and that, because this is my thing, right? Is this roster so good that they have the the luxury of picking their young quarterback and sitting him down behind Matt Ryan? Like, can you honestly do that? Because this isn't a Green Bay Packers. We're like, hey, we'll take Jordan Love because our roster is good, right? Like our roster is good. He can sit behind Aaron Rodgers. Matt, this Atlanta Falcons team is not a good team. So there's so many holes. And to couple that with like, hey, if you, maybe I could trade Matt Ryan, but well, who's going to take that contract? Who's going to take it right now? I feel like you are locked in with Matt Ryan for a couple more years. But I think I got an answer in. to that question. Who's going to take it? I got an answer to that question. D- take all take that full take the, all that money. It's going to just yeah. take it off your hands. Who's that? I need to hear it. Go ahead. Okay. Well, think through this really quick. Okay. You have. The San Francisco 49ers, who their love affair with Jimmy G is is, in, is on the rocks. That co- that coordinator, that head coach out there was a coordinator when, when they went to the Super Bowl. Shanahan was there when they went to the Super Bowl. That's a team that, that, that definitely would have cap space next year. I don't know about the year after. I'd have to look deeper. But I know next year they would have the cap space for him. So is this a situation where the San Francisco 49ers trade maybe – Couple, you know, first round picks, second round picks, whatever. Pull Houston, you know, go all in with Matt Ryan for two years and bring him out to San Francisco and pair him with the offensive talent they have there and say, go for it. Also, think about this you're the Dallas Cowboys. You definitely have the cap room. Next year, I think they have fourth most cap room uh, available uh, out of the whole league. Okay. Dallas Cowboys, Dak just had a very significant injury and they have they weren't able to get a long-term deal done with that beforehand so when you're sitting there in the offseason you're looking at dallas cowboys san francisco 49ers and you can take some other teams that maybe are like you know maybe new england patriots you know they like to they have the i think the first most cap room going into next year i might be wrong it might be second i know they're up in the top five as well so you have the new england patriots who typically like veteran players they can trade some, you know, and they're not picking, I don't think, until 14 or something like that. So, you know, you might take a situation where, okay, we trade for Matt Ryan, we have a veteran quarterback now, and then we can, you you know, utilize our draft picks to do some more around him. These are all interesting scenarios, I think, in the offseason that the new GM and head coach have to answer when it comes to Atlanta. Me personally, my take on it is, I keep Matt Ryan in Atlanta. I know I got a couple years. I do not pick a quarterback at the fourth spot because I do not think there's going to be a quarterback at four that's worth the fourth pick. I think that quarterback potentially will go before that. And I either start looking at other parts of the team that I need to put talent, either in the offensive line or on the defensive side of the ball, and start building up a, the team around Matt Ryan, knowing that I only have him for probably two more years, and then I got to start rebuilding the offense. My, my, all right, so here, here's, here's a follow-up to that. Ready? So if Atlanta takes the route of, hey, 
let's trade Matt Ryan, right? Like let let's let's do this. I feel like it can go one of two ways. One, you're trading and maybe not getting as much draft capital back because you're trying to really just upload that contract. Like I want to get that contract off the books. That thing's out of here. Or you're going to take a part of that contract, maybe a heavy portion of the contract, and you're going to get more draft capital back, which there's pluses and minuses, positives and negatives to both of those things. If I had to say, David, you can only have one or the other. Either you unload that full contract, but you don't get back as much in return, or you get a ton of draft capital back in return, but you have to eat some of that contract. What do you think is the better route for that team? In that scenario, you eat some and get as much draft capital as possible okay. because next year's quarterback contract will be a rookie contract more than likely or a base uh, veteran contract. You know, Fitzpatrick will probably be looking for another team. So, you know, he's out of Miami. So you could bring him over to Atlanta and, and line him up there and put a young kid behind him. Um, but the draft capital is the key in the, today's modern era of being uh, – the salary cap, you know, contained. I don't want to say restricted because I don't like that word, but contained. Right. So the more draft capital you have, the better chances of turning teams around and rebuilding faster and constructing sustained success teams is there. I mean, we've seen that ever since Jimmy Johnson traded away what Herschel Walker and got six draft picks for him and, I mean, rebuilt the Cowboys in one draft, you know. So I would eat some contract in one year build up the draft capital knowing I'd have the young talent under multi-year deals and rookie deals for a while and can sustain that going forward. Right. Right. So this is how we're going to do this folks. We're going to roll through these eight teams that we have, the eight NFC teams. And then I'm going to bring up a few of the quarterbacks and maybe we'll just find out like what the best fit is. I think that's probably the best way we're going. So we want to move on now to a team that I'm very familiar with, not because I'm a fan, but because I, I live about 25 minutes away from their stadium. And that is Lincoln Financial Field and the Philadelphia Eagles. So this situation's a mess, man. They're paying Carson Wentz over $30 million a year. I think the cap hit, the dead cap on his contract, if he had cut him for uh, going into next next year, would be $61 million on the cap or something like that. Some outrageous number. So they are in a tough situation with the Carson Wentz contract. So they, they benched him because he wasn't playing well. So, hey, we're going to bring back – I'm not we're going to bring back. We're going to play Jalen Hurts, who we picked with the 53rd overall pick, I think was, was the pick there in the second round. And Jalen played, you know, solid in his first start. He played well in his second start. He played really well, actually. And then the third start, it was a mixed bag. Turned the ball over a couple times. Wasn't incredibly sharp. So it's been a little bit of a mixed bag, but there's been some good signs from Jalen Hurts. David, maybe we start here. Carson Wentz, is there a way that the Eagles can save him or go back to him, or is he out the door? Is it is is it over in Philly for Carson Wentz? I I am I am as you see. I don't know. Like I said, <laughs> I I wasn't a Carson Wentz fan when he was coming out. I mean, everybody can read my scouting reports and know he wasn't one guy that I, him and golf. I didn't like either one really when they were coming out. That being said, they both saw success early in their careers, and then people started figuring them out a little bit. And even my, you know, at, at the Rams, you know, that offense still runs through the running game. So it is what it is, right? With Wentz, I think what I've seen out of Hurts, the first few starts here, first three starts or so, 
is very promising. Like I see some pop to him. Uh, ball comes out quick. Good decision making. He's made some errors in this decision making, but you expect that from a young quarterback. What he can do with his feet is impressive. His eyes downfield. He just looks to me with a lot. He plays with a lot of moxie and natural leadership. His confidence and his body language is very, very evident in in everything he does. So you know, I'm excited about that. But you gave this quarterback when such a heavy contract. You talk about anybody wanting to take that co- that contract off your hands. I think that's more dangerous than the Matt Ryan contract. And reason why is because Matt's done in like two years. I think that's next year, maybe the year after, and then it's over and done. Wentz still has what three or four more years on that deal. Something so like that. that's that's a longer term commitment. And you, you you know, to me, it's a yeah, that one's a hard one to swallow. So I think if Howie wants to get rid of him, that's if Howie stays the GM. If he's but making if, the decision, <laughs> yeah, he's making the whoever's making the decision there. If they want him to stick around, they're going to have to put a lot more talent around him, too. Let's not hang it all on him. I mean, the offensive line was just riddled, you know, riddled with freaking injuries this year, but there was no one to back him up. Uh, and then uh, receiver-wise, I don't like their receiver core. I think you and I have talked about that a lot. I don't think their receiver core is really great. And again, where the money's all tied up, I really haven't digested their roster well enough to tell you. But I think there's a bigger rehaul roster-wise at oh, that organization. I'll, I'll tell you, David. Not only is it it's quarterback and it's defensive line. They are absolutely like Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, Brandon Graham, and like in theory. Paying the defensive line, I'm good with it, man. But, like, man, you have a lot of capital in one position there, especially a defensive tackle. Like, that is, like, where the bulk of the money is outside of the quarterback position. Yeah, and they'll have to make some hard decisions there to recalibrate that cap for them. So, you know, for me, I, I, I have a hard time keeping Wentz, but I don't think that contract is trade friendly at all. Right. So takers are going to be a very uh, even if you swallow, say forty million of that cap money somewhere along the line. You know what I mean? I don't even know if in an Indianapolis Colts type situation where you know that coach coached them to a Super Bowl and everything. You know, I don't even know if they go out and take on that kind of cap hit because that's just too much. It's just too much. I mean, I mean, we could definitely talk about like what the trade market might be for Carson Wentz. I feel like there's still something to be excited about if you can get him back, man. I just like watching him on the sideline right now and just listening to him. The guy, I think it's done. I, I just think it's done. Like, like I had a buddy that texted me the other day and was like, "Oh, could they go back to Carson and blah 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 blah? Maybe they trade Jalen Hurts instead, and, they, and Carson gets his mojo back." And I'm just like, at some point. Your confidence is so fractured, and I feel like Carson Wentz's confidence is just out the door, man. Like, he is – I mean, he's been through a lot in Philly. Let's call it what it is. But a part of the quarterback position is being able to maintain your composure when things aren't going right for yourself, right? So, like, it's been a tough situation for Carson Wentz. I totally get it. If I was a betting man, though, I would say Carson Wentz is – well, unless, you know, Jalen Hurts get hurt or, like, some out of the ordinary. Jalen Hurts, I I would say that Carson Wentz has made his last start in Philadelphia. Now, the question is there, though, can you bring him back next year as a backup if you can't unload him? And is is that a good situation to have now your your second-year starting quarterback, well, not even second-year, your first full-year starting quarterback now in Jalen Hurts 
with Carson, with all that media attention, with the headaches in the, in the locker room potentially? Like, is that worth it? That was the next question. I'll say this. I think, and I don't know, I don't know Hurts really well. I just watched him over the course of the beginning part of the season, except the backup role and stuff, and then watched him take over for Wentz. Okay, he seems very mature in what he's doing, what he's saying in the in the media, what he's doing publicly. So, I I, I think the kid can handle Wentz being his backup. Okay, I do because I don't think there's a lot of media in Philly, even if he struggles a little bit, that's going to be clamoring and calling for Wentz to take back over. Oh man, got, you don't you don't know Philadelphia media, baby. Well, no, I, well, here's why I say, here's <laughs> what I say: this is because I don't think there's a lot of people in Philly that like Wentz right now. So therefore, I don't think they're going to be calling and asking for his head to come back and play. You know, yes, Philly media is hard. I get it, and I totally understand that, but. The option B isn't a better option. I remember when I was in Miami and we had uh, Ray Lucas backing up uh, our starter. Peeler. Jay Peeler. Jay, yeah. Yeah. And everybody was clamoring for Ray to start. And then finally he started a few games and he didn't do well. Then people were like clamoring to put, you know, Fiedler back in. And I was just laughing my butt off because I was just like, dude, you guys are so wishy-washy and you have no clue what's really going on. And it was just crazy. I don't feel that would happen in Philly because Philly media seems to be a, a little bit more like, you know, I think they would rather put their bags on their head than call for Wentz to come back in the game. You know what I mean? So I think Hurts can handle it. I think that actually might be the likely scenario because, you know, unless Wentz is a total poison pill for the locker room, I I don't know how you offload the contract. And you definitely don't want to release the player to then get signed somewhere else and you're still on the hook for $40 or $50 million. Right. Could you imagine him like they have to release him or something? And then he goes down to Washington, plays for, plays for the football right. team. That, that would be awesome. That would be wonderful. I would love to see that, actually. Um, man, it is interesting times right now in the in Eagles country, to say the least, with the quarterback situation. Now, my next question, David, and this is probably the last one. They have they are right now projected to have the sixth overall pick. We'll see what happens in, in week 17 because that could very that could alter one way or the other with the NFCs. We talked about how, yeah. you know, how volatile that division has been to kind of figure out what the end result and what the end sequence of teams is going to be. My question is if they end up with a top five pick or at six, wherever, somewhere in that range, do you consider a quarterback? Because think about it, man. Jalen Hurst might be good. He might be. I'm not saying he's not going to be. But like, there's going to be a question is, is Jalen Hurts good enough? that it's going to stop you from potentially getting a franchise quarterback rather than maybe a good quarterback. Like, if, unless they're – if they're not sold on Jalen Hurts being that guy, you're not going to pick top five, top six guaranteed every year, right? Like, this might be your time. Well, Jacksonville does. Well, um, but – Well, yes. <laughs> Historically, you know, it's a bad year for Philadelphia. But, like, you know, last year was a bad year and they went nine and seven. They're not usually picking top right. five, top six. You know no, what I, I mean? I got you. So. I had to throw that zinger in there. Um, but, no, I hear you. I totally understand what you're saying. And I think that's going to be a lot of conversations as we talk through this week and next week. The comparisons – as we do in scouting, right? We do comparisons all the time. The comparison is going to be, is the quarterback we currently have, like you said, Jalen, better than 
the second or maybe third quarterback by the, the sixth pick in this year's draft. Right. So, you know, and again, just in rank order, like, is he better than a Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson? Okay. Those would be the type, the three that would probably be in this conversation, depending on how they fall in the draft, well, right? I can tell you, I can tell you right now, I'm a big Trey Lance guy. The Eagles are not going to want to draft another North Dakota State quarterback after this Carson Wentz debacle. That is not going to be something that they're going to do. I can guarantee well, uh, that. Take the politics out of it. You're just talking about play on the field, right? But on the field, is is he better than than Jalen? That's the conversation. Oh, I mean, I mean, I would, I mean, you know, it, we can't predict the future as well as we like to say that we're the best evaluators in the world, right? Like I have very high regard for my abilities as evaluator. I know you have very high regards for your ability as evaluator, and we have a, a regards for each other as evaluators. If I had to pick today. I would take Trey Lance very handily. Wouldn't even think much about it. So just put that and, out and, there. And see, I, I'm opposite. I wouldn't. I kind of, from what I've seen the first couple of weeks of this guy and what I saw at, you know, in college of Hurts, I really like him. So for me, I would rather build a team around him and put that six pick into more offensive help, you know, whether because that six you're looking at uh, really you could get a cornerstone left tackle at six. You can get a, a top receiver, a top running back. You can get, you know, a top, you know, if you're going to rebuild, let some of those aging D linemen go, you can get a top pass rusher at six. So, you know, there's a lot of guys that you were talking about, like, you know, having that franchise type player, you can definitely get them at a different position at six and build around Jalen. So that's just that's my my take on that situation there. Well, I think that the dream scenario is if if they are settled on Jalen Hurts and it is Jalen Hurts without a shadow of a doubt for the Philadelphia Eagles, I feel like the dream scenario, and let me just say this: the Eagles roster is not good. Like, let's just go straight. No, there. it's all it's a rehaul. It's a rehaul. It's, it's bad, man. Corner, like, what are the needs for the Philadelphia Eagles? Wide receiver, offensive line, both offensive tackle and the interior they have needs at defensive end if Derek Barnett isn't back and you don't have belief in Josh Sweat they can up they can upload any of their linebackers their linebackers are awful cornerback they need a cornerback obviously opposite Darius Slide. yeah they can't they, cover anybody they need a safety like it is so bad they have so many needs on this roster so I agree with you and I actually think that the Philadelphia Eagles might be a good candidate to trade back if anything like that but if they were sitting at six the dream or five, Let, let's say they may bump up one more spot. The dream scenario is is uh, Penny Sewell, offensive tackle from Oregon, lands into their lap. Because right now, left tackle is a big question mark, man. They've had uh, my, my Jordan Mailata fill in there admirably, and he's had some good moments. But, like, is he your franchise left tackle? Andre Dillard, who they drafted two years ago out of Washington State, like, he – he struggled a bit as a rookie, had some flashes, and then this year he gets hurt. I know a lot of people question his work ethic and just what type of what type of worker he is in general. So, like, man, if, if a guy like Panay is still talking about a franchise left tackle, I think that's the dream scenario. We just spent way too much time on the Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> I detest. So let's move on to number seven overall pick right now. Another – this is similar to a Matt Ryan situation. We have the Detroit Lions – who have the uh, a very good quarterback, in my opinion. I think he's one of the most undervalued quarterbacks of this era in Matt Stafford. 
I think Matt Stafford's a very good quarterback who is, unfortunately, has been, you know, not put around the best of talent around him. So the question now is, there's a complete overhaul that is definitely going to happen in Detroit because that Matt Patricia defense that he put together, man, there's a bunch of square pegs and round holes. There's like, who's the wide receivers next year? Offensive line can always be upgraded. Is Matt Stafford in the wrong window comparative to what the rebuild's going to look like? I have to think, David. Actually, I don't, I, I'm not even going to say I'm going to have to think because I don't know what the Detroit Lions are going to do here because I really – I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how they feel about Stafford long-term. I don't know if they're going to be in the quarterback market. Like, I have no idea what this team is going to do. And, you know, here's the thing. I'm with you. Stafford, to me, is – like, if you put him – on another team, this guy really, to me, has Super Bowl winning caliber, arm talent, decision making. He's never, ever had a team around him. And he's not had too many good coaches either. So, I mean, the people that have been running the show in Detroit have been done, like almost, I don't want to say, okay, I'll say it, we're on muscle. They've ruined this guy's career. Like, literally ruined it. I mean, when he had Megatron and him were playing, they were young. Good God, that was just such an amazing tandem to watch. But they did very little in a run game and any kind of support staff with them. You know, like it was just awful. It was Stafford 40 times a game throwing the ball. And, you know, they just they, what they did there was just awful. And decision makings have been atrocious there. But they've been atrocious there since Matt Millen really was the GM. You know, Marty Mayhew did oh, something. Oh, man. Matt Millen. That's some bad thoughts right there. Oh, what a, what three, a three first round still. draft choices on receivers in three years. Like Charles, Charles Rogers, Mike Williams, and they finally got it right with Megatron. But, man, that was two atrocious misses in a row on that. Right. So, yeah, yeah for, for, for me, Detroit has done nothing good with Matthew Stafford. That's the quarterback. I'll be honest with you. If I'm Bill Belichick, that's the quarterback I'm trying to trade for. That's yeah. the guy I'm trying before the draft to get to New England and put in a New England Patriots, you know, jersey. Because if that, can you imagine if the New England Patriots land Matt Stafford to come up there and play, let play with them? I mean, that becomes a very formidable team again that's a super bowl caliber team again so you know to me and again if you're a team like that and let, let's just go through the process a little bit not only new england but if you're san fran if you're i think you know, carolina 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 yeah i think carolina also is interesting because they got teddy b and teddy b is really good in that is that system their defense failed them early they're starting to gel now and come around so i think you know teddy b there for another year is good i don't know if they're switching out teddy b for for matt stafford see, is see it an upgrade yeah but what about denver what about denver if matt stafford goes to denver and they get people around like because that's got it they got a nice young receiving crew or matt stafford to dallas you know like matt stafford to me could bring a lot of draft capital if traded away and that's that's a that's a guy that i could see on the move this year they like you said they have new gm new head coach it's going to be a long rebuilding process have there's there's not a lot of success it's going to come fast in detroit so trading doing what's right by matt by trading them to a good team and again, if I'm if I happen to got the GM job, I would try to try, you know trade him to a team in the AFC, so my NFC, you know, path to the draft doesn't have to go through Stafford, and 
I get him to the AFC to a good team is for as much draft capital as I could get. You know, David, I uh, I upset. I, I I didn't tell you about this, but I upset some Detroit fans on uh over Twitter a, few, a couple days ago because I said that it would it, it'd be a mad a mad you would have to be a madman to want to be the general manager in Detroit right now. You absolutely have oh, to be mad. I would love it. Are you kidding what? me? I would love it. Dude, think about this. Hold on, hold on. Let me give you a little story. Let me give you a little story. Convince me. Yeah. I'm not going to convince you. I'm going to give you a little story. Okay. I've always said on my path, I wanted to go somewhere and learn how to do it right and learn how to get it done right. But then, but then some point in my career, I would love to take over a team at the bottom and have to build it from the scratch. And I teams and I, and I do, I always would want to do that because at that point to me, bringing a team that like, like Jacksonville, like Detroit has become, I would like, love Jacksonville. I would love, well, I'm, Jacksonville. I'm saying Jacksonville, Detroit, uh, you know, uh, Cincinnati, you know, what the jets have become like these teams that have been at the bottom for, for a long time, and then walk in the door, do it your way, and build it your way, and have sustained success for like 5, 10, 15 years, and then turn it over to someone else and move on, that would be a dream come true for me because that's something I've always wanted to be able to walk into a building and say I turned it around. So for me right now, Detroit, is it the best, sexiest pick? Nah, it's not. They don't have draft room. They don't have, or they don't have a lot of draft capital as it stands right now. They don't have a lot of cap room as it stands right now. Not a lot of players are running to Detroit to play. So right. it's, it's tough. It's a tough build. And, but again, it's one that I would enjoy. I would embrace. If I got the opportunity, I would definitely take it because it, it's one of those goals in my career to take a team at the bottom and rebuild it. And honestly, I can't ever say I was a Detroit Lions fan, but when I used to watch Barry Sanders play, I watched Detroit a lot, a lot of football with Detroit, and I really enjoyed their, you know, their fans and and in the heyday, they had a lot of support there. And to bring Steel City back to to the top, I mean, that would be great for me. I that would be such a great thing. I would Detroit, if you're watching, you got a guy right here that will take the job. Hundred percent. I'll take the job. Walk in with a smile on my face. We'll get it done. You have a madman right here, apparently, that wants it. My, I mean, you, <laughs> it you, me, me, you mentioned a couple of the things, though, that make it so unattractive to me personally. It's one like, man, are you going to get a long enough leash and a long enough of support to turn that around? Because like, you, it's not just something where like you're building from the bottom up. You got to tear the rest of that thing down and then build back up. You know what I mean? Like That is not a quick fix in any way. And the number two is to get guys to come to Detroit, man, you got to overpay a little bit. It's, it's a little tough for me. I don't know. I don't know. Moving on to the next one, New York Giants. We're going to buzz through a couple of these a little quicker. David, <laughs> David's favorite team, the New York Giants. He loves himself. New, New York, York football, football Giants. Giants. New York football Giants. That is actually all my script, so let me read that correctly. Will they <laughs> stay married to Daniel Jones, or are they in a position now? Because currently they're picking number eight. They might be in a stone throw away for maybe getting their next quarterback if they're like, Daniel Jones is not it. He's not it. What are we going to do here? We got we to gotta move on. Daniel Jones is not going to keep us in quarterback purgatory. He, uh, let's see what Daniel Jones is. Ah, if we don't know he's good, move on. Um, if we know he's good, if we know he's not good, is what I meant to say there. So, David, this one's a tough one because I feel like eight. You're probably going to miss out on one of the top three to four quarterbacks potentially because I think there's going to be a little run to start start this draft. But they might be in a spot, 
And I'll, I mean, I, to start here, I like actually what the coach is doing over there. I was very critical of Joe Judge's hire, but he's got defense playing hard, man. He's got the team playing hard in general. They're just the quarterback position right now is a mess. You know, Daniel Jones went through a couple weeks of being injured, but when he does play, man, like it's like it's like a blooper reel. To be honest, like turnovers everywhere, him blowing out his tire, no one even touching him in the open field. That would have been like an 80-yard touchdown. Like it is not pretty right now. Are they in position where they can make this move now and dump Daniel Jones and maybe get their next franchise quarterback? Are they in the spot? I don't think eight's the spot. And again, I don't I'm not in love with this year's draft class of quarterbacks. Really? Okay. I'm not. I, I know you really have some some, you know you know, some hard, strong feelings for these guys. And I, I've, I've watched the top six enough to where I, I feel very comfortable saying, I don't think this draft class is going to be one that, you know, is going to go down legendary. I just don't. I see holes in everybody's games. Trevor is, to me, the lockdown number one pick, number one guy who has the, the least number of holes. But I think everybody else on the list has something to work on. It's not like when you're sitting there looking at, you know, Elway and, and Marino and Kelly and, you know, all those guys in, in that draft class is it's the, the talent level is much different to me. So at eight, I don't think there's a franchise quarterback sitting there staring you at the face. But could um, they move up? Could they move up? Eight might be a spot where you can move up. Eight's a spot to move up, but I don't know if I chase any of these guys either. Oh, this man. isn't a class that I go chasing and, and again, for me, I would rather take offensive line, receiver, maybe, you know, that defense really needs more more help in the secondary. So a, a key corner might happen defense, here. because Defensive black, end, linebacker, safety. Well, no, you know, they're, they're, de- they're defensive front. If you watch those, those three, four guys up front, the, those linemen, they're playing really freaking hard. They're linebackers, yes, definitely with you. They need linebackers. They need an opposite corner of BlackBerry, um, and they need, I think, another safety to go with Peppers. Definitely all in the works. And again, Joe Judge has done a phenomenal job. These guys have been in almost every game. If you go and look at margins of loss, I think they are under seven points, or seven points are under in three-fourths of their losses, okay? Only like a fourth of their losses were they really blown out. So, you know, for me, I think it's a situation where I, I would build around them. I, I mean, I'm I when they drafted him, I liked the kid a lot. I was really high on him. When I'm watching him this year, he's holding the ball too long. He doesn't protect the ball. All the fumbles in the pocket, like Rick will tell you, he's been saying it the whole dang year. Uh, it's just too many. I mean, this kid needs to sit himself down and have a reality check and get humble and get a lot of this fixed this offseason. Uh, my thing at eight, if I'm if I'm them, I stay with him for one more year. Though him being traded, we talk about trade bait. He's on a rookie contract. They haven't signed him to an extension, right? So therefore, it's attractive trade bait if somebody else wants him to come and get a Daniel Jones because that contract trading and then rewarding him with a rookie, a, a new deal, it would be on the new team, you know, to, to work out value versus getting a contract, you know, thrown at them that they didn't work out. So in that, in that sense, I think he's attractive trade bait. 
Is 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 there a trade market for bad quarterbacks? Is that, is that a thing? Well, here's the thing. There's 32 quarterbacks, and in, in, in the top 16, as we're going through them the next two weeks, right? There's a lot of these teams that need quarterbacks. There and is. and again, Dwayne Haskins got let go. He made it through waivers. People were saying they don't want to pay the four million he was guaranteed for the next two years, but somebody might pick him up in the next week or two. And the contract he's getting might only be a guarantee of a $1 million or something. So is there value? Yeah, there's value in all these guys. So, you know, again, if you get a, let's just go back one pick. What if Detroit wants Daniel Jones and they're sitting at seven and put him behind, but I'm saying put him behind Stafford and say, this is going to be the guy that we're going to have to go over for Stafford in two years or something. That could happen, you know. That you don't know what other draft rooms like Daniel or didn't, whatever. And he's been going through some turmoil there. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, without your main running back for basically two years now, and a ton of offensive line injuries and and you know question marks going on there, it, the, it's not like this team's been well oiled machine, and he's the only thing screwing him up. He's not. Uh, trust me, I'm not. My fan card is 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 in jeopardy here of Daniel. I liked him <laughs> at the beginning. I'm not sure what he's really going to turn into. I don't think this year is the spot to move on from him. I think adding more weapons around him is what I would do if I was sitting there for the New York Giants. I hear you. I hear you. You're trying to see your investment through and see what you have. I get it. Give him enough time. I understand. But What would you do? What would I do? Dave would you Jones get rid of him? Yesterday. Yeah, he would have been gone six, 16 days ago, like like last week, 24 hours ago, wherever. He was, he's out of here. He's out of here. Because I know, David, yeah, you have a lot more experience than me. It, if you have any questions about like, oh, man, I don't know. I just feel like teams get stuck in quarterback purgatory so much. It's like, oh, reaching for a quarterback. Like, I'd rather reach for a quarterback in this draft. I know you said, like, you don't like it too much. I'd rather maybe just jump up a spot or two, try to get a guy like Trey Lance, let's say. Even if you don't think Trey Lance is going to be good, I already know that Daniel Jones isn't good, so at least I'm going to take a shot there, man, and swing from the fence. Like, until we have a quarterback, we don't have any. So I'm going to take a shot until I get my quarterback. That's just me personally. So no, I, I know, but if you don't have one at all, it's hard to find them, you know? So that's why I get it. got to be a win- well, I'm saying when you when you're when you're talking quarterbacks, in my mind, you got to be a wing walker. You got to have a firm hand on one before you let the other one go. <laughs> so I, I mean, I mean, th- this is just a difference in opinion, obviously. Because yeah. like you don't like That's Trey what, Lance. I do yeah. like Trey Lance. I don't. Th- I don't think he's like put him like put, throw him to the wolves early and he's good to go. Like I do think he needs to sit a year. Like I do. I do. So I think like if you if Atlanta was serious about like hey let's draft the quarterback and like sit him behind Matt Ryan for a year or two. Trey Lance, like, that's a perfect situation for me. Like, absolutely. But in a situation like the Giants, might not be a great spot for Trey Lance because he's probably going to be a guy that, like, if you draft him that early, Daniel Jones is probably out the door, and then he's probably going to have to start very early. And, man, at that point, it's sink or swim. It could come out great, but there's some guys that need time. Like, that's the thing. Like, Patrick Mahomes was not ready to play as a rookie. People forget that. Like, he was not ready. Aaron Rodgers was not ready to play his first year in Green Bay. Like, they were not ready. but them sitting back and learning the game and learning the speed and practice and getting acclimated slowly did help them. And I think when Trey, when you look at a guy like Trey Lance, I think that's a perfect situation for him because like arm strength, it size, physicality, running ability, like everything is there for him to be good. It's just, he just doesn't have enough game experience right now. And I don't think that 
throwing him in is going to help that right now. To so. quote the 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 brother James Quirk, Kirkland, mm-hmm. he's got to percolate a little bit. He ain't instant coffee. That's it, man. That's it. <laughs> and yeah, no, that's that's just it. A lot You're of guys are right. too. A lot of guys yeah. are instant coffee. So hey, I, I agree. Mr. J- Shout out to James Kirkland. I hope he's doing okay. I know they're going through a little coaching change up there. I hope he's doing all right. Uh, he'll land on his feet. He's he's such a quality evaluator in person. He'll be good. But yeah, no, I agree with you. And again, you know that's why I love bringing this to our audience because we often have different opinions, but they get to hear both sides because this is what's really happening in draft rooms is these conversations of I like them better, you like them more. This is what I could see our path to success is. This is what I could see our – and this is what's happening. So now the audience gets to hear it firsthand right now. Yeah, and who wants to listen to a podcast where the hosts just agree all the time? That's boring, man. Let's be honest with that. You're definitely that's, not going to get that here. That's not – yeah. <laughs> I know because one, one of us tells, uh, you know, nothing but facts, and the other one just, you know, talks. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I, love, I love when you lie to me, baby. <laughs> Carolina Panthers have the ninth overall pick right behind the, the New York Giants currently quarterback. We already talked about this one a little bit, so maybe we could bust through this one a little quicker. Teddy Bridgewater. You think that he's good enough to sit? I think that he's another guy. Like, I talked about quarterback purgatory. Bridgewater's fine, man. But, like, he's never a guy where I'm just going to be like, you know, oh, I'm good with this. Like, he's fine for now, but he's never a guy that's going to – like, I'm never going to get super excited over him. And for me, if there's a guy in range and I really like him, like, Teddy Bridgewater's not going to stop me from going to get my guy. He's never going to be that guy for me personally. That's just me. No, and again – when you talk Trey Lance, if he were to last to nine, we talk fit a little bit, not trying to get ahead of ourselves, but this is a system in the in in what Matt Rule runs that I think fits Trey Lance. And I think him sitting behind Teddy B for a year or maybe two if Teddy B seems to have more success next year and stuff, that would be a great spot for Trey Lance. I think this would be yeah. a great spot. Right here, this would be the spot if he lasts this long, or if Carolina feels the same way that I feel. If they're listening, you know, my own brother in there supporting this, supporting Mavs and listening, this would be the spot that I could see them pulling going up a few, making sure they get him and and having him as the quarterback of the future there because this is a system I believe with that quarterback and having the 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 veteran there in Teddy P. That's a, that, to me, is a perfect situation for a Trey Lance. And I, I do really like the Carolina situation. I just want to put that out there real quick. I like Matt Rule. They just drafted all defense. They're starting to play a little better down the stretch, man. It's baptism by fire for those guys a little bit. They got some pieces offensively, too. I know McCaffrey's been a little banged up, but Christian McCaffrey, Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, like, there's some Curtis Samuel's there, starting to play. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. There's some dude. There's some dudes there. Even their backup running back, Mike Davis, has done really well since when, when McCaffrey's been out. So like, yep. there's some guys there, man. Like if they get that defense going here a little bit and they figure out the quarterback, like if it's not Teddy, like figure out their next guy. Because you're right, Teddy's on the, a pretty you know team friendly contract. It was like 20 mil a year for starting quarterback. Isn't crazy, right? And it's two more years. So after after this year, I think he's right. like yep. on a three year deal. Yep. So like, it's a good situation. I think if there's any team that it's like, let's stash a quarterback for a year behind someone, I feel like Teddy Bridgewater is a pretty friendly contract to make that happen. Because like if he's if the guy's ready next year, we'll cut him after the second year, and I don't think you're going to be taking too much dead cap in that situation. So Well, and also, like you said, Teddy's contract is friendly. 
you have a rookie deal on your quarterback, right? That's a four to five year. Well, it's a five year deal with a first round pick, right? So now that would be friendly. So that gives the Carolina Panthers a lot of cap room for nearly six years, right? Right to build and put on offensive line into the defense and other places to really put a team together for six years. We talked about sustained success. That's an option. That's a way to do sustained success. hundred percent. This is a great, I think, like you said, it's a plum of an opportunity to go in here and take a quarterback at this spot. If your guy is there and maybe they feel it's Zach Wilson, maybe they feel it's Trey Lance. I don't think Justin Field or Kyle, or, or, or Kyle Trask fit here. And I think you know, that you know, nine is too high for Mac Jones, in my opinion. But if, if they like Zach or they like Trey and, they, and they're sitting looking at him at the face at nine, to me, this is a great opportunity to take that quarterback and have enough cap space and room for the next six to seven years, five to six years, realistically, to to have a pay off other positions and put people around them to be successful. I would agree. I don't think this is a good spot for Kyle Trask. We're talking about the first round right now. So I, I think that would be a terrible <laughs> spot for him. So number 11 pick right now in the draft. Oh, Dallas, oh, oh Dallas boy. Oh, boy. It's getting warm in here. Dallas Cowboys have a decision to make with Dak Prescott, which has been a consistent question mark. Will he be back in Big D? Well, it seems like coming off the injury now, Dak doesn't have too much leverage in this situation now. Um, David, I mean, this, seems, this, this is a question that people have been wanting an answer to for months. Is Dak Prescott going to be back as the starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys? I. I say yes. I think Dak wants to be there. I think the Dallas Cowboys, like you said, have gained some leverage in the negotiation now with the injury. You know, the the main sticking point, as I understand it, last year was Dak wanted a six year contract. They wanted to right. give him. I'm sorry, they wanted a six year contract. The Cowboys wanted a six year contract on him. He wanted a five year deal so he would have uh, ability to go out and negotiate. Um, when he was done with that, this second contract, he wants right? Another window, baby. He wants another yeah, contract. He wants, he wants a third, he wants a third window. Now with the situation as it is, if Dallas asked him to take a five-year deal, I mean, I would believe that that in his representation would take it and, and they would be able to work it out. Uh, now I'm not in the building. I don't know how he's recovering from the injury, Word out of it is he's doing really well. He's ahead of schedule on stuff. So that's great. That shouldn't be a problem or issue. You know, if, again, if they want him, I think they can get a deal done. This is when you're really going to know how much Jerry Jones values him if he gets a deal done or not. Because, again, as we talked about before this, you got quarterbacks like Matt Ryan and Stafford who could be on the trade blocks to get a veteran in on this team and and make it work right and try to make a run for a couple of years and get it you know they haven't had a super bowl win since 95 i think it it is so i mean to get a super bowl in the building and make it america's team again and fill jerry's world up he might take that and not worry about sustained success but he, he might go for instant success and again adding a matthew stafford onto that loaded team with those receivers with you know the running back I mean, that would be like adding nitrous, right? That would just be like adding nitrous. So, you know, Jerry could go some some way um, along those routes or get that his, you know, contract and 
and get him off the market. And if he's doing that, I, I would suggest to Jerry, do it early, do it by February. So all those questions are answered and that doesn't have to answer it all off season. It's just done. It's over with, and you can move forward and turn the narrative to your draft picks and the rest of it and not have this looming over the team, the locker room and him for the whole off season. Right. Right. I mean, you're, you're already a Dallas Cowboys, right? So like, you don't need more added media stuff, right? Like people are going right. to come and ask questions all the time. Get Dak. Cause like the one, th- the one trap I think we fall into a little bit is being draft guys sometimes. Right. And I, I mean, again, we believe in what where our eyes are telling us, but like until these guys play on the football field, they are unknown commodities. Dak Prescott is a known commodity. We know he is a good quarterback. There is no doubt in the world about that. Take the known commodity because he isn't a guy where you're just like, oh, the next guy might be better, blah, 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 blah. Like, even if they are, Dak Prescott's still plenty good enough where you're like, dude, you're, you're our guy. You're our guy for, until the contract's over. So, yes, sign Dak Prescott. It's been, it's been a long time coming, Jerry. Go, go out and get him. 13th. <laughs> overall selection we have the minnesota vikings currently hold this pick they seem to be staying firm with kirk cousins who is being paid a whole lot of money and i will say this this is another situation not like carson Wentz because that decision's already been made but kirk cousins is another contract that is going to be almost impossible to get out of yes yes is minnesota in a position here because i think his dead cap is over 50 mil next year as well like i think it's an insane number so, and Kirk Cousins is playing pretty well. Like, like for what Kirk Cousins is, he plays well. Like, like it's not like a terrible quarterback. The question is, is he ever going to be good enough? And I don't think the answer is yes to that either. <laughs> like, he's just he's he's fine. He's just fine. He's a fine quarterback. I don't think he's what you aspire to have at the position. So, are they in a position? And I will say this, David: if there was a position for maybe for I, I, I just talked a little bit about like sitting behind Teddy B for a guy like Trey Lance. Trey Lance is a Minnesota native, baby. Bring him to Minnesota, sit behind Cousins so you can finally figure out how to get out of that stupid contract. That, I think, is the perfect situation. See, I don't like that one as much because here's the deal. With with Teddy B, his contract, like you said, it's one where they can surround, they can start building the team and surrounding them with with talent, because it's not one that's going to kill the cap, right? Whereas you got Kirk Cousins' contract choking the choking the cap out. So for Trey Lance, by the time, and again, if you sit two years to drive Kirk Cousins, then that's two years of your rookie deal. Now you get to play your three, year four. You're looking right, but now they got to pay you. And now we got another contract choking out the cap because you've had two years of success. They want to reward you. So now it's hard to either keep the players that they put around you or go get new ones to replace them and stuff. I think Minnesota now what Minnesota did do this year, they took more draft picks than any other team in, in the, in the league this year. They signed more undrafted free agents than anybody else in the team in the league this year. They built young this year. And they're set up to build a little young. Again, they have a lot of draft capital coming into the draft this year. Coming up, I think they have 10, 10, 9, 10 picks already. So, you know, they're set up for more draft picks and being young again. They're, you know, Rick Spielman, George Payton up there. You know, I really like them a lot. What they're doing to, to buckle and sustain success is key up there. I don't know if they go first round draft choice on quarterback, but again, where they're sitting at 13, you, that's the area. Again, 
I don't know Trey Lance lasts that far, but maybe a Zach Wilson does. And a Zach Wilson in that current system, that current offensive system they have, would be a good fit. It would be a good fit very, very much so for for uh, Zach Wilson. So, you know, if they did want to take a first-round draft choice quarterback, it would not surprise me if it wound up being BYU's own Zach Wilson. And that is David Turner's favorite quarterback in the country. That's Mr. Zach Wilson from BYU. <laughs> I, I hope you're watching live with us. You can see David just, uh, you know, just let me – Real quick about that one. Last thing we want to talk about, because we definitely want to get to some of the questions tonight. We might have to cut a couple things out, unfortunately, but, you know, we run late. That's that's kind of always what, it's we, what do. we do. We thank you all so much if you're tuning in with us. If you want to drop in any questions in the chat, by the way, send them in there. We'll answer that because that is the priority. We thank everybody that takes some time out of their night to be with us. Last question, San Francisco 49ers. We talked about this one a little bit, too, in the Matt Ryan conversation. Jimmy G seems... Very rocky, that marriage right now. So we're trying to answer what they will do. I will say every time that Kyle Shanahan is inquired about Jimmy G's future, he says, Jimmy Garoppolo is our start, has a good chance to be our starting quarterback next year. The most coach talk of all time. And then people try to make that into a story. That's not a story, folks. That's a coach staying neutral and being optimistic. Because, hey, what is he going to be like? And eh, nah, he's out of here. <laughs> that's, yeah, not exactly. that's not what he's going to say. That is your coach. Talk. So his coach, oh, we, you know, we lined up and the other team was just the better team today. Blah, blah, blah. Like we hear this stuff all every week. What, what yeah. do you expect him to say? Jimmy G's out of here, I think. I, I think that there's going to be a new quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers next year. Zach Wilson, Trey Lance. Decent spots. I mean, San Francisco has a talented team. They've been ravaged by injury this year. We saw last year when everybody healthy and they had just competent quarterback play. They're a very talented roster, to say the least. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, Debo Debo Samuels or whatever his name is. Oh, my good. Stud. Good. Stud. And the run game, everything. They are riddled with injuries. I mean, it's amazing how well that defense is playing with all the injuries they have, honest to God, that, that, that defensive coordinator they have there. I know his name is being mentioned Salah. for a ton. Robert Salah. Yeah. Yeah. It's being mentioned for a lot of uh, head coaching gigs. And I could tell why, because I mean, he's coaching the crap out of the, the players that he has right now. They're, they're playing out of their skulls. So well above their talent level at, at this point. And that's not bashing them. They're just, they're young players that just are being asked and being thrown to the fire and it, they weren't mature enough, Ray, but he's got them playing at a very high level. So, you know, um, that all being said, does Jimmy G is that their quarterback next year? I agree with you. I say, no, that's why I like Matt. Like I was saying, if they get Jimmy G off their cap, they bring Matt Ryan onto their cap. Um, you know, that's a situation where, I can really see something like that go down. They can trade around, trade the 15th pick overall to Atlanta. Atlanta winds up having two first round picks. Plus, I'm sure it would cost some more picks. They get it, you know, because like you said, they already have a good young team. So they don't need a lot of draft capital over this year and even can stretch that to next year. And people, I think, would want to come play with Matt Ryan and be part of the San Francisco 49er team that is young and vibrant and they they play really hard for their coaches so this is a team that i think would be attractive to some some key free agents and again they do what they can through the draft for two years and then after that you know kind of figure it out but they're on the cusp of being a very very good team 
if they if they could get some dynamic quarterback play, I mean, this team could be dangerous for a lot for a long time. Yep. And we have Zach Thomas in the chat. Zach Patrol. Zach, go do a shot for me. Hit 1K apparently views today. Uh, so go do that, Zach. That's a little inside uh, joke there. Uh, do one for me, though. Make your wife do one, whatever. Yeah, San Francisco keeps beating, you know, good football teams like the Los Angeles Rams twice and the Arizona Cardinals. And it's just like, okay, let's let's get out of quarterback position because we sh- – uh, man, this – uh wish they were in a quarterback position because, honestly, that's a damn good roster. I would like to see them with a dynamic quarterback. Like, a Zach Wilson, I feel like, in San Fran would be a fun player, really fun see, player. I, I, don't, I don't think Zach fits their system. That's just me. I oh, don't. West Coast? West Coast? Works. I don't. I don't think Zach's a good quarterback for them. That would be somebody I wouldn't want for them. You know, that's Why? one that because Zach. You know, I don't. I'm not a big Zach fan. We all know this. So yes. being a shorter quarterback and, and a guy who again has to, you have to move the pocket. In my opinion, for Zach to be successful at the next level, and that's not something Shanahan likes to do with his quarterbacks. He likes play action. He likes. He, but he likes his quarterbacks to be in the pocket. He doesn't design a lot of rollouts. He doesn't do a lot of that type work. That's not his offense. So for me, that doesn't fit what what Zach's going to need to be successful at the next level. You're going to hate this next comment, but it's true. Oh. A quarterback more like Kyle Trask oh is God. would fit would fit the Niners oh. system better than a Zach Wilson would fit the system. Um, because of what he can do, Mac Jones and Kyle and Trask to me fit more of what the Niners do than what Zach Wilson does. Ah, oh, Kyle Trask, Kyle Trask. We're going to talk about him in a second, actually, because that's the next part of this show before we get to the mailbag for tonight. Uh, David, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, Kyle Trask, Mac Jones. We're going to go through these very quickly and say of the teams that have quarterback openings, what would be a good spot for these guys? So we're going to just do an optimal spots real quick. Um, Let's go to Trevor Lawrence. I think that one's a a no-brainer. He's going to Jacksonville, so that one's really not worth talking about too much. Best quarterback in the draft by a landslide. Justin Fields. Well, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Let's let's give him his due. All right. Let's give him his due. I know we want him to speed it up, but let's give him his due. But, you know, again, if if the Jacksonville Jaguars retain – Doug Marone. Yeah. I don't think that's a good spot for Trevor Lawrence. And I'll be honest with you, if I'm Trevor Lawrence and I'm looking at the situation and literally they say they're bringing Doug Marone back, yep. I might go back to school. Oh, I might just oh, stay in. Oh, just stay in. Oh, because, goodness. I mean, Doug Marone is not going to help your career at all. So, you know, for me, it's just. It's just, you know, it's not a good situation there if they keep Doug Marone. So for me, if I'm Trevor, I'm not really – I might pull an Eli Manning. I don't want to play in That's San different. Diego. I don't want to play in those, Jacksonville. Don't be one of those go-back-to-school guys. Don't do Why that. Why not? Because he already graduated. He graduated in three years. He's the best player in the draft. He's going to be the first overall pick. Like what He'll is be the he... first overall pick next year, too. Uh, he will, but like, what does that do for him? That doesn't do anything for him. He's going to be the first overall pick. Keeps him out of Jacksonville and away from Doug Marone. Oh, man. Oh, man. David, uh, look, you just said it, though. This guy is to the highest of degrees where, like, if he wanted to, he could just say, I'm not playing in Jacksonville. I'm not. Trade me. Trade me. And it would happen because – there would be many suitors for Trevor Lawrence if he did not want to go to Jacksonville. So he, he can force his way out of there. 
if Eli Manning can force his way out, Trevor Lawrence could definitely force his way out. So don't be don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. Justin Fields. Justin Fields. Um, oh, best fit for Justin Fields. I'm I'm already thinking here. All right. You know what? I think Minnesota would be a good fit for Justin Fields. I think they would be a good fit for Justin Fields. Minnesota? Yeah, man. Why not? Why not? He's already up north kind of guy playing in Ohio State. He's got, I mean, heavy off of play action, man. I feel like that a run game is Justin Fields' best friends. And they have a lot of vertical concepts, working yeah. off of two-man routes. Like, I think that there is a lot of good things that could happen in Minnesota for Justin Fields. Now, he's never going to last that long. So it's a pipe dream. He's not going to last for 13 or whatever, whatever Minnesota would be picking right now. In reality, he's probably going to be a Jet. Probably. Yeah. How's he going to be a Jet? Second overall pick. Oh, gosh. You're talking about Justin Fields? Who are you talking Who's the second pick for you? Justin, dude, Justin Fields is not. I question his ability to read defenses. He's thrown so I many bad so. interceptions this year. I don't think Justin Fields is better than Sam Donald. I don't. I think the coach has killed Sam Donald because when I broke sure. Sam Donald's when I broke Sam Donald's tape coming out of college down, I was very high on him. I don't think we've seen the best out of Sam Donald in the pros, and I would definitely not replace Sam Donald with Justin Fields. That's me. So I want to I want to put this out there because everybody knows this already. I was a big Sam Donald guy. I was a big Sam Darnold guy. I've not given up on Sam Darnold. I think that he could be good in the right situation, but I think that they're going to make a change. So this is more predictive than what I would do necessarily. Okay. And to, to I actually agree with your take on Justin Fields. I don't think uh, there's a couple of things in quarterbacks that, that trouble me a little bit. And the biggest thing that troubles me is pocket awareness and manipulation and justin fields is bad pocket awareness and manipulation he ter- I've, I've been on record on this one david justin fields terrifies me but i think that people are going to bet on his upside and, and the physical profile that he has i think that's going to happen because when you look at those traits we're always talking about traits justin fields has traits like there's no question that kid can spin it with the best of them he can run with the best of them Everything is there, and I think the Jets are going to take a pick a quarterback. So, yeah, I again, I think it's again Joe Douglas is usually a really good evaluating person. Again, I, I like Joe, you know that, but I think when he looks at these quarterbacks, I don't think he thinks Justin Fields is better than Sam Donald. Would he think Trey Lance is better than Sam Donald? Maybe. Zach Wilson definitely not, and definitely not Mac or Trask. So if if they if the New York Jets take one, you hear it here first. You hear it from me. I think the quarterback they do take would be Trey Lance, not Justin Fields. See, see, I would rather them take Trey Lance, and that's just me. I know people are going to hate me for saying it. I've been a Trey Lance over Justin Fields guy, but I, this is just the word. This is the word from everybody, David. All the people with inside sources. The NFL apparently likes Zach Wilson as number two quarterback. That is apparently the the. the no, that's, that's what all the talking heads are talking about right that's now. We'll see saying. what happens in April. I agree. I agree. I'm just saying, man. Like the guys that have that inside scoop, that have those close friends in the scouting departments and the general managers. That's the word. I don't agree with it. I'm just saying that's what's out there right now. Because right now, Zach Wilson 
depending on who definitely declares at best, Zach Wilson is going to be quarterback four for me at best. I will tell you that right now. I do not value him nearly as high as other people do, but that's just what's being floated out there. So and it, perfect. Go ahead. Good. No, no. I mean that all that's fine and dandy. Like every year in December, January, we hear this stuff. Let's see where they want when the, when the cards unfold in April, we'll see how much everybody likes these short quarterbacks when that happens. I heard he's over six, two. I heard he's six, zero, two, one. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Just saying, man. Just a measurement, you know? Um, next guy we want to talk about. All right, we just talked about Zach Wilson. All right, David, real quick, since we don't want to spend too much more time on Zach Wilson, I think that Carolina Panthers would be a decent spot for him. What do you think? I, again, like we talked about earlier, I think that would be um, when where I think he would fit that system. I think it would be a good fit for him. I also could see a team like Minnesota, um, Detroit, you know, they, they anywhere where he would sit for a year or two um, behind a veteran quarterback, you know, would be a good a good spot uh, for a guy like him for sure. Trey Lance, here's the next guy. I already said I, I like Minnesota fit. I really do. I like that. What do you, who who do you think it would be a good spot? Well, I, I think Trey Lance. Honestly, Trey Lance fits the Carolina system with what Matt Rule's trying to do there. I think Trey Lance would fit. Uh, if they if Doug Peterson stayed in Philly, if that's going to happen and they're going to be there, then you know he fits the Doug Peterson mold. And Indianapolis Colts would be a great fit for a Trey Lance. Mm. You know he really would be a great fit there. That's um, a good one. You like know if, one. if you look a little bit further into the draft, for some reason he's falling right um, into the laps of even you know like I don't know Denver Broncos or. Um, you know, let's just even like, you know, Washington Reds, the Washington football club, you know, they, they would be looking for a guy like Trey Lance, I think. So, you know, that that's all some, some spots that I could see for Trey. Okay. I like it. I like it. Uh, maybe we should go to now. All right. Sell me on Kyle Trask and the best fit for Kyle Trask. Go ahead, David. What's that? Kyle Trask. Where's he fit? I mean, let me hear it. He's like a New England Patriot type. Well, yeah, again, Patriots are a great call for him at 14 or something like that. But again, a Kyle Trask with his balance. In the second round? Is that what you said? Sorry, no, just... that's not what I said. It's just what you like to chirp in, the little mockingbird. Uh, so, no, it's like for me, he's a guy that I honestly think be, picks between 20 and 32 is somewhere where he's going to ultimately go. I think his balance and body mechanics, once people break it down, once they look into how he really plays things out with his, with, and how he throws the touch that he does, the way he climbs in the pocket and everything, um, you know, I'm, I'm a bigger fan than a lot of people are, obviously, of Kyle Trask, but I see a lot of good things with him. So, for me, I see you know a West Coast style offense system and maybe a playoff caliber team that's going to have them sit for a year, maybe even two or three behind somebody. Um, but they see the ability in him right now, so they secure that and get it in their building for you know the long term. 
Gotcha. Gotcha. David Turner, big cow trash guy, big cow trash guy. <laughs> Me, not so much. Not and, so and much. David, we might need to put a wager on if Kyle Trask is a first round pick. I don't think he's going to be, man. I really don't. I do. I don't. I just don't. Just don't. We'll see, though. We'll see. Mac Jones is kind of the other guy because he's been an SEC riser, blah, blah, blah. I'm not, I'm not a Mac Jones guy either. Um, good. I agree with you. I know you said earlier San Francisco. I feel like that's a good fit. You know, quick timing base, West Coast offense. Like, that seems like a good fit for me. I don't know. Just throw that one out there real quick. Uh, you know what, Mac Jones to me is again. I I think Mac, if he went to back up Matt Ryan in Atlanta, would be great. Uh, back up Matthew Stafford, Stafford, that would be great. And and I can honestly see a Mac Jones going to the the New England Patriots, not in the first round, but maybe a second round pick. Um, I think that offensive coordinator knows knows him a little bit and. You know, uh, you know, Buffalo Bills, you know, if, if for some reason Max like sitting there in the third round, the value pick having a Mac Jones in the third round would be a really good fit for him uh, up there in Buffalo. So, OK, couple couple spots there for Mac. Not a big Mac guy, man. Like, I, I think he's I think he's a backup, but that's fine. I mean, people, he needs backup. So. So those are our quarterback that those are the NFC teams that could be in the quarterback conversation and some just in state of the quarterback position. We're taking a look at the AFC next week. We're actually going to buzz through our second take because we want to get to the mailbag section and we're going long on every podcast like we do every week. It's no big deal. But before we do, have you ever thought about hiring a consultant for your business, but cannot find one that you can afford or trust your business with here at Maverick Sports Consulting? You gain an expert in David Turner who has worked with many different companies from NFL teams to stamp collecting businesses. He has experience in help to help organize, uh, companies streamline their hiring process, shipping, organizing, or managing a team to better dis- distribute their strengths for you to gain traction on your competition. Hiring Mavericks and David will give you the edge on your competition in 2021. Do not wait. Sign up today at Maverick Sports Consulting. So we're going to head into some of the the hot topics of the week next week. I'm sure it'll be reoccurring. We're going to see more firings. Adam Gase might be on the hot seat. I don't know a lot about that lately. We want to thank everybody that's given us a mailbag question for this week, though. We actually had some really good ones, so we want to make sure that we get to some of these. David, the first one from Jack underscore Borowski asks, what position do 40 times mean the most for the players' draft stocks? Have to think. Cornerback, wide receiver, what are some that just come to your mind very quickly? Skill position players, definitely. Cornerback, wide receiver, uh, safeties, running backs. Those those definitely come into play, and they definitely have over the – history has shown me over the course of my career that they actually do translate really well there. Um, the only one that might be at the bottom of that list is running back because the running back short area quickness and short area burst often um, are what you really need there. But, again – Though the skill positions is where they come into the most. Absolutely. We had a great question here from Lorenz. That's at Lorenz with an extra Z, 14. Don't know why that's his handle. You're the GM of a team in need of a running back. Would you rather take Javante Williams in the early second round, somewhere around pick 40, or Michael Carter in the late third, pick 90? David, I have a very strong opinion on this. Okay, Yeah, give it to him. Give it to me. Let's start with uh, out, out here early. 
Depends. I mean, like it obviously does depend on the team. Like, if, are you a team that's more settled at the running back position, where you just want a third down back type, who's kind of a niche stylistic running back, or are you looking for a guy that is your every down bell cow potentially in a league that does not have as many bell cows as it once did? For me, if you're saying like, who would you rather have? I'd rather have Javonta Williams in the second round, man, because for me. That dude is a stud. I value Michael Carter, what he does. He's a space player, but he's not going to be a high-volume guy. He's going to be a third-down back, a situational player, which is fine. But for me, I look at Javante Williams, I'm like, that dude's getting 300 touches every single year. That guy is 220 pounds, built thick, rumored to run in the high 4-4, so he's not just a you know not just a plugger. That dude's got some burst to him, great contact balance. Give me the guy that for my team is going to be a 300 plus volume getter over a situational guy. Unless, of course, I'm settled at the running back position and Michael Carter is more of a luxury for me. Yeah, I think anyway about it, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm in a situation like you where I'm looking more at, I'm looking more, you know, at the Javante uh, Williams, you know, I, I like the kid. I think he's a guy that if, you know, either way, even if I, you know, you look at a lot of these playoff teams, they have a one-two punch. Look at what the Browns are doing with running back, right? They got a one-two punch. It, even if I'm set and look at the Giants, as soon as their one, their one goes down, they really have been struggling to have a two punch, right? So I think if you could get this guy and around the 40th pick, you know, you're, you're really getting a solid player, a player that you can, you know, you can lean on for a whole year or you can, you know, work in to rest your your uh, your starter and, and get some key touches in them. So, you know, I'm leaning a little you know, for me. I think if I could get that guy around 40, if he's still there, I'm probably taking Williams at 40. Mm-hmm. No, nope, I agree completely. Next question that we have, we have it from Midwest underscore football. Good guy, by the way, says, Who's your early front runner for 1 1 in the 2022 NFL drafts? Who's the first pick potentially in the NFL draft? I'll knock this one out real quick. Got to go quarterback, right? It's got to be a quarterback, most likely. Uh, early Bell Cal, you would think it would be a quarterback. Yes, right. I mean, if a team's bad, usually it's because their quarterback's bad. It's usually, yeah, yeah there's, there's some, uh, you know, there's uh, some good some reasoning good, there. Good data to back that one up. I'm, so, I'm, I'm betting it's going to come out of the Nevada area for you. Well, I will say that my front runners would be. Two guys. David mentioned one. If Carson Strong goes back to school, I think he is absolutely a heavy favorite to be the first quarterback next year with an extra year of of, of um, game time experience, with extra year of playing the position because, man, he has not been playing the position too long, and I really think that he has the talent to ascend to that. The other guy that I've been a big fan of and I, I'm already a big fan of for next year who's only a true sophomore this year, I really like Keaton Slovis from USC. I really do at times. You do, yeah. I, I think that that kid is fundamentally so sound and so consistent for 19 years old. I think that his best football is firmly ahead of him. He's a Kurt Warner guy. Um, so I know that fundamentals are heavy on Kurt. And, um, you know, he he definitely shows in Keaton Slovis's game. Another couple guys, I mean, those would be my two favorites. But the other quarterbacks, Rattler from Oklahoma, Sam Howell from UNC, um, they all have fans. Jane Daniels from Arizona State has some fans. So I think quarterback's going to be a pretty wide open debate on who's the top guy, especially early on. But for me, I'm putting my money on strong and Slovis. One of those two, I think, are, are going to be the, that that guy next year, as long as they take that next step. I next agree point. with you. Yeah. Oh, you do? Good, David. Yeah. Oh, you can put your input. Go ahead. 
No, I, I agree with you. I think again, it's going to be quarterback, and what's you know what you're what you said is a hundred percent good. I mean, it, I'm, I'm I'm right in line with what you said. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate it so much. That to have a guy like David Turner agree with me is that's a rare thing. Wonderful, I know, which makes it so rare and so wonderful. So, uh, no sarcasm in there at all. Um, <laughs> next question from Frank Castle, twenty twenty four at Fish Spinners. Who are the internet scouts high on Kuiper and McShay, et cetera, that you are not? Please tag me in the podcast announcement. I will try to remember that, Frank, to tag you. Who are who are the the uh, talking heads? Who are they uh, fans of David that we are not? I mean, the first guy that popped in my head, again, quarterback, I guess, quarterback-centric show, Mac Jones. I saw a mock that had him going 19th overall or something the other day. Man, I can't. I just can't. I can't get my mind around that. I can't. This guy is going to measure in. Six foot one and a half, maybe. He's going to be two hundred something, like two hundred ten pounds. You think He's Mac Jones is shorter than Zach Wilson? Yes. Yep. Yep. We we from, need to bet on that. From from the measurements I have seen, yes, I, I I think they said. Um, obviously that is unofficial as of now, but Mac Jones six one uh, six zero one five, and Mac uh, Zach Wilson was six zero two one. That's what I've seen out there. Yeah, I'm going to say Zach. Winds up measuring shorter than Mac. You think so? I think so. I don't think Mac's very tall. But well, again, I, I I've not stood next to Mac. I've stood next to Zach, and and honestly, I don't think he's going to make the six two mark. So then, watching Mac on on t- on film and on tape, I think he he's going to be over the six two mark, just I barely. So. I think they're going to be. I think it's going to be like six zero one seven and six six zero two one kind of thing. You know, but I think Mac's going to edge him out. Okay. Well, all right. So we'll see what the height is. I think that he's going to measure in a little short, though. I don't think he's going to be that standard build that you want. And the and that that's fine. Height is becoming less of an issue for quarterbacks. But the no, issue for some is, people. Well, yeah. Well, exactly. For those people that can make up in other areas like athletic, <laughs> Mac Jones can't. He is not athletic at all. I don't understand. People are falling in love with his with his pocket maneuvering. Dude, stop. He's not athletic at all. And then, like, they make jokes about, like, him escaping and then doing this stupid little spin move. That was the slowest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. My guy is not athletic at all. His arm strength is fine. It's not good. It's fine. So I'm looking for an undersized quarterback, pocket quarterback who is not athletic and has an average at best arm. And that, you're selling him to me in the first round? Please. Stop. Stop. <laughs> Go get some help. Go get some help. I don't want to hear about this anymore. Uh, another guy I wanted real quick, and then I'll let you get somebody out there, David. Rashawn Slater, who you know I like. I like you do. You do. You do. Late first, early second as an as a offensive tackle moving inside as an interior offensive lineman. I like him a bunch, man. Absolutely. His film was phenomenal. I liked his film a lot against Ohio State. Some people have him in the offensive tackle one conversation with Penn Aso, and I think that is insanity. I, I see him in top 10 in mocks right now, and I can't understand it, man. The guy, David, this guy is going to measure in right around six foot three, six foot four, somewhere in that range. He has 32 and a half inch arms. And people are yeah. telling me that he's Penny Sewell. No. Come on, man. Hey, we Come tried on. that with Robert Gallery. Didn't work. It's not going to work again. So, yeah, right. you just can't. 32 inch arms at tackle is just not going to happen. It's not going to work. 
Right. And then some people are like, oh, people need to stop looking too much at the measurements. Like, but there's data that backs up. That there's history data. There's historic data. You're right. And we try. Like, we said that to ourselves at the Raiders when we took gallery. We said that to ourselves. We're like, he's athletic. His arm length's not going to matter. And guess what? It did. When we moved him inside, he had a hell of a career up in Seattle at guard. But no, I mean, it's just not going to be there. It's And again, anybody who ignores that and, and tries to do it again, I just will point them to what the, the experiment known as Robert Gallery. Say what happened there. Same measurements, same style guy. And guess what, guys? Results going to be the same. And I again, I really like Rashawn Slater a lot. He's one of my favorite offensive linemen in the class. He absolutely is. I think he's a Pro Bowl potential player inside. But he's not a tackle, folks. Like, he's just not. He has solid film at tackle, but, like, you can see him losing leverage battles because his arm length is not good. It's just a thing. Mm-hmm. And, again, like, like if you're telling me, like, oh, well, he, maybe he could be the one guy. Like, okay, but you're telling me he could be the only outlier? Like, well, how many tackles in the NFL right now that are good have 32-inch arms? Most tackles, most tackles, if you look at them, are six four and a half to 6'7". You know, when we did the scout show and we did offensive alignment, like the measurables, we had no 32-inch arms, all 33-and-a-half to 35s. I mean, Walter Jones, Jumbo Elliott, Flozell Adams, all of those guys were bigger, longer guys. That's what a, that's what a blindside left tackle looks like. It doesn't look like what you're describing. And I, I, and I don't want to harp on this too much because, again, I really do like Rashawn, man. But, like, how important, like we always talk about these defensive ends and how traits are so important with this length and athleticism. That means that the guys that are defending them also have to have those traits because they need to match up against the type of profile. You look at the best offensive lineman in the NFL. I'm talking about guys like Lane Johnson, who is a freak. Tyron Smith is a freak. Teron Armstead is a freak. There's a reason that these offensive tackles who are the best in football are freaks. Because they have to match up in most occasions against the freakiest guy on the defense playing defensive end the majority of the time. Correct. So traits yep. matter on the edge. That's at corner. That's at wide receiver. That's at defensive end. Pass rusher. That's at offensive tackle. Guys move inside. They keep the traits outside. Bad traits move inside. Good traits stay outside. Don't do this. He just did. Hey, you just did trades for dummies right there. We need to write a whole book. Trades for dummies. People don't move outside, David. They move inside. Inside, yeah. They don't. Yep. Outside. They don't. Hey. They don't. Uh, yep. Absolutely. I'm losing my mind. I'm sorry. Uh, oh. Back on tangent here. We have two questions left, and then we'll be done here. On deck, I see that is Kate from On Deck. Kate, awesome person. Shout out to you. Uh, she said, "Can your baby in utero set us straight on if the Steelers being exposed narrative is legitimate or exaggerated?" I'd like to hear from that specific expert. Well, I don't <laughs> think our baby is going to be able to predict that, Kate. But I will say, I think ha- full panic mode for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Absolutely, I know they're in a position where like they can rest some starters this week in Week 17. I don't think they're a legit contender, man. I just really don't. You know, the Steelers early on had a really balanced team. I felt I felt they were doing things well in the first six, eight games. Injuries started happening. Once they lost Dupree, that, that just took the honestly took a lot of venom out of their defense because when they had, you know, TJ and, and Dupree were rolling together, good God, that was like very 
very obscene pass rush coming at you each and every week, which helped your secondary, which helped your linebackers. When they lost their middle linebacker from Michigan, Bush, and they lost Dupree, I mean, that just really hurt that defense a lot this uh, this season. So I think that's it. And then, you know, what is it? The other night they rushed for like seven yards in the first three quarters or something like that. It was ridiculous. So without having a run game, you know, in the playoffs, the time of year when you need to run the ball the most, they don't have the ability to. It's uh, it's it's uh, something you got to really uh, – you got to think through. And I think that they missed their window due to injuries and and lack of depth at certain positions on that team. So I don't see them. They're going to rest up this week, like you said, almost treat it like a bye week and then go into the playoffs hosting a game and we'll see who they get paired up with. But the first round they could escape. I don't know if they'll escape the second round. Yep, I agree completely. And, you know, it was a nice come from behind victory after falling behind against the Indianapolis Colts this week. Indianapolis Colts are a good football team. But at the end of the day, man, that offense is not balanced enough. You're, def- you're depending on Ben Roethlisberger, who's been a very good quarterback. He's nearing the end. I don't think he has enough to really urge this team to the next level. So I am fully on board. Panic mode in Pittsburgh. Last question of the day. We have to end with Notre Dame, right? Because every all all um, roads all lead, roads to, lead Notre to Notre Dame for you. Yep. All, all roads, roads. So Juice at Air X Alpha seventeen twenty one asks keys to Notre Dame's ability to beat Alabama in this week's playoff matchup. Dave, would you like to start? Would you Would you like to do your smart ass uh, remark? Or uh, I'll end with mine. You go first. All right. If we're having a realistic op- like Notre Dame is obviously the under the heavy underdog here, which they should be after their performance against Clemson. They absolutely should be. If they actually have a chance of beating Alabama, one, you need to use speed up front, and I'm talking about against Alabama's, Alabama's offensive line because they got some dudes up front. Huge guys. I'm talking Deontay Brown at 350. Right tackle Evan Neal at 360. They have a lot of size. Notre Dame cannot go into this matchup and say, we need to play man-to-man with you and whoever the best guy who is wins. Nope. You need to blitz from different gaps, A, B, C, wherever. You need to get those guys confused. You need to get them moving laterally. You need to be disruptive. That's how you're going to stop that run game. One thing they do have going for them in this game is what really hurt them against Clemson. Having Trevor Lawrence back and being the extension of that read game, that really hurt them a ton. Mac Jones does not bring that. So if you are being able to be disruptive and slow down Najee Harris, force Mac Jones to beat you. That's how you need to win defensively. Offensively, you got to use a lot of misdirection and motion against this team. The linebackers are talented. The whole defense is talented. But they have had spurts where they have not looked good against teams like Ole Miss and Florida. Why? Because there's a lot of misdirection. Whole lot of misdirection. The linebackers do not have good eyes. They against Ole Miss. If you watch it, Elijah Moore, they were having him come underneath of everything. They're having a motion and they're getting the linebackers' eyes. They're manipulating second level defenders. That's how you have to beat them. So Notre Dame has to play into their strengths. Offensive and defensive lines have been strong all year, but defensively, they have to do a little more. They have to be a little more creative with their blitzes and ability to make this offensive line confused and stop Najee Harris. That is the key to the victory for Notre Dame. No, the key for Notre Dame is, uh, you know, if Alabama doesn't show up, that's yeah. about it. That's their chance to win right there is if Alabama decides not to get off the bus. Because, you know, as soon as Alabama gets off the bus, you're done. They don't have the speed. They don't have the – they don't have the – the, the the horses to match up with Alabama this year. It's just not there. Alabama's stack. They're, they're going to have like nine draft picks again this year. Uh, they got, you know, what is it? The 
the player of the year and the receiver there got voted player of the year. Yeah, so Smith is – I mean, he's at, what, 1,500 yards, 19 receiving touchdowns. He's probably going to have – Getting locked down. Getting it locked oh, down this week. Locked down for lunch. Yeah, maybe locked down in the in the men's restroom, not letting him out. Maybe that's how they, they solve that problem, you know. Uh, but – I would be. <laughs> he's good. Yeah, I know it would be. But I, you know, I think he's going to add, like, three more touchdowns this week, put the exclamation point because he's going for the Heisman. So, you know, it is what it is. I just think uh, Notre Dame is going to be out – Athletic, athletic. It doesn't even matter how Brian Cali is going to be uh, out coached by Nick Saban. I mean, that's just a foregone conclusion. Uh, Kelly will get out coached by Saban. So, yeah, that is what it is. They better hope that Alabama doesn't show up. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens on New Year's Day in that matchup against Notre Dame and Alabama. We want to thank you all again for tuning in with us. To, to, tuning in with us today, especially around the holidays. We appreciate all the questions all the interactions. We want to make sure that you know, again, this week, Sunday, 8 o'clock Eastern time, we'll be holding the, that inside look into the draft process. If anybody is interested, players, parents, agents, whoever, go to NFLDraftBible.com and make sure to RSVP for that event today because there are limited spots in the Zoom. So please go there. Guys like David Turner, Neil Stratton from Inside the League, We'll be able to tell you about what you should expect in this draft process. Also, next Friday, we will be back for Friday Night Scouts. Go our second to final. Second to final, yeah. Second to final seminar in the Friday Night Scout School series. So please, again, NFLDraftBible.com. Check that out. Check out MaverickSportsConsulting.com for all of David's great work that he does. He is, again, at Mav underscore sports on Twitter. I'm at Rise and Draft. This is Mav Sports episode 21. We'll be back same time next week with this live on Tuesday night, 8.30 Eastern time. Or if you are listening to us, we appreciate you. Give us a five-star rating. Give us a like. Send us some feedback. And we hope to see you guys again next week. Thanks for listening to another episode of Mav Sports Take. Connect with us on social media. Share your thoughts on today's episode. And tell us what we should take on next time on Mav Sports Take. Want more from our hosts, David and Ryan? Visit maverick.sportsconsulting.com and learn how we can help you take the next step in your sports career. Until next time, this is Mav Sports Take. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.